welcome once again to a novel evening. As ever, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books and on TikTok as a novel evening podcast. And this week, I'm joined by a man who has so many strings to his bow. Uh, he's a games designer, he's an author, a musician. If you're a fan of the Starfinder or Pathfinder games, I'm sure you have heard of him. And he is going to join me to talk all about his novel, Dark Hearts. Um, if you want an LGBTQ plus romance that's all about second chances, it's all about regrets and having that chance to relive something you thought you'd lost, this is the one for you. His name is James L. Sutter. Uh, I'm super, super excited to talk about the book. I read it. I loved it. I have so many questions for him and I'm so excited to dive into what I think is going to be a pretty intriguing novel evening. So a huge hello to James. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, you're joining me all the way from Seattle, which is awesome. Um, I've actually yeah. got the second guest I've had from there. So that's very exciting. Oh, yeah? Who do you have before? <laughs> I have had Isaac Marion, who wrote okay. Bodies, um, also came on, although he now lives in the middle of nowhere. Are you right in the city? No, I'm, I'm for real in the city. I'm actually right... Uh, and we'll get into dark hearts, but I'm in the neighborhood that the book is set in. So I very much decided to write about my hometown during the pandemic, just because I wanted to a chance to visit all the places that I couldn't actually visit. Oh, I love that though. That's such a cool idea. Like you say, I mean, the pandemic I know was maybe slightly different for us over here than it was for you, but I know that, you know, not being able to visit places that you're so used to being able to go to. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a nice the whole book, the writing process was a nice breath of fresh air during the pandemic helped keep me from going total cabin fever. <laughs> I think we were all there. We were all. Yeah, let's <laughs> be fair. So look, Dark Hearts. Firstly, I've got my copy. I've read it. I loved it. It's also you. so gorgeous. I know, right? I mean, did you know, do you, I don't know how much of the process you're involved in when it comes to covers, but did you, did you kind of know? I, I, no, I actually, I mean, I didn't know it was going to look that good, but I did get a surprising amount of input into the cover. I was really sort of shocked because I had worked in publishing in games and other capacities for almost 20 years. And so I knew the extent to which sometimes you don't get that much say over your cover. But uh, Wednesday, my American publisher uh, was really great about bringing me in and talking to me because I, I, you know, this is my first young adult romance. And as much as I love the genre, I often don't love sort of the cover art trends. And so for this book, I was telling them like, okay, I know it's a young adult romance, but can we get, you know, something that feels a little bit goth or like a show poster or an album cover? And they just knocked it out of the park. It really has that vibe of, you know, it's a romance, but it's also got a little bit of an edge to it. And so as soon as I saw that final cover, I just went, oh my God, I'm so, so fortunate. And, you know, both the, you know, the British version from Anderson Press is that beautiful paperback. And yeah. then the US version is hardcover right now. And it's actually got, in addition to that cover, uh, the inside, it's like black with like a red foil heart. It looks very goth. It's perfect for the book. So you know, I've been like spoiled. A, yeah, as a former emo kid, that that doesn't yes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like I played in punk and metal and hardcore bands for years and years. And so a lot of this book pulled from my own life as an underage musician in Seattle. And so it was nice that the physical book reflected that. 
And before we dive into talking more about the book and your kind of inspirations, for anyone listening, tell them about Dark Hearts. Give me a little breakdown of the plot. Okay, so Dark Hearts is a queer young adult contemporary romance set in Seattle that's all about falling in love with the boy who stole your chance to be a rock star. So the basic idea is David, the main character, started a band in middle school with his best friends. And, you know, they did all right. They played some shows, but then everybody's egos got big and he stormed out. And then the band got huge without him. So now he's 17, stuck in an ordinary Seattle high school life while his former best friends are off touring the world. So he's very bitter. But when tragedy throws him and the lead singer back into contact, uh, you know, he starts to find that underneath that whole frenemy thing, he remembers why they were so close and also starts to realize that maybe there's a little bit of attraction there, too, which is confusing because he's always thought that he's straight. But suddenly now here he is finding himself falling for his worst enemy. And so as they hang out, they begin secretly dating. And then David also realizes that this might not just be his chance at love, but his chance to get back into the band and get the fame and fortune that he's been denied. But of course, anytime you decide that your romantic partner is your, your key to success, uh, probably that's not going to go really well. So it's, you know, th that said, it is in my heart kind of like a rom-com, like it's very upbeat and funny and uh, yeah, it's it's a romance first and foremost. So that's kind of the drift. So as you mentioned before, this is your first kind of way romance. Yeah. It's a big departure from what you've previously worked on. You know, a lot of fans yeah. also love, absolutely here for it. But this is a big kind of step away from that. What first drew you to wanting to write a YA romance? Especially well, yeah. a YA romance. Yeah, well, I mean, so the queer part was easy because I'm also bisexual. And so I was able to pull a lot from my own life and my own sort of formative experiences of having that realization uh, you know, for me, it was in, in my early twenties where I sort of went, Oh, Oh, this suddenly everything makes a lot more sense. So David has a little bit earlier than I do. Um, but yeah, you know, so I've spent the last almost 20 years working in the tabletop role-playing game industry. So I worked on Dungeons and Dragons and then was a co-creator of this game called Pathfinder and another one called Starfinder. And so I've done comics and video games and some fantasy novels and all this other stuff. So really, my career was pointed that direction. And when I started working on this, I had, you know, an adult science fiction agent who was waiting for my, you know, big dystopian you know, space horror book. But then the pandemic hit and I was just so burned out. And I started reading a whole lot of young adult romance just because it's so much fun. You know, the the voice, the humor, all of that stuff like red, white, and royal blue, or rainbow rowl, you know, all those sorts of things. And I I just found myself really wanting to spend a lot of time in that feel. And so one morning I was reading on Wikipedia about Stuart Sutcliffe, who was the original bassist for the Beatles, and then left right before they got big. Oh, and I was just thinking, <laughs> yeah, right? And I was thinking, you know, what would it feel like to be, in his case, you know, 20 years old, you've just left a band that's going to become immortal what would that feel like? And then because I was, you know, reading all this romance, I was like, and then what if they fell in love? And so you know, I leapt out of bed and wrote the first couple chapters and immediately realized that it just flowed so naturally because writing contemporary YA, I was able to write in my own voice and pulling so much from my own life, 
my own experience as a musician, as, you know, a confused queer kid, you know, all those things. Uh, it was just easy and it was fun to be able to make the pop culture jokes that I wanted to make and, you know, come up with weird insults and do all these things. And so it was just really fun, but I knew it was a bad idea. Like I didn't tell my agent that I was doing it for the first like four or six months I was writing it because I knew she'd probably be like, why are you doing that? That's not yeah. what you do. And so then I, uh, I basically finished the book and handed it to her and said, uh, here's, I know this wasn't what I was supposed to write, but here's what I wrote. And she read it and kind of came back and said, I mean, maybe it's good, but I don't know what to do with it. And yeah. so I then had to spend the next seven months with her blessing, looking for a young adult agent who would shop it around. And so I had a lot of time to contemplate whether or not this was a mistake, you know, <laughs> like, did I, did I just waste a year like doing this thing that has no relation to my career? But then I landed with my perfect, you know, dream young adult agent and he sold the book like a couple weeks later. So it was really just zero to 60 really fast. And now you know, I'm finishing up my second young adult novel right now, and I'm having so much fun with it. So I guess this is what I do now. You know, I still love working on science fiction and fantasy and horror, and I still do that. But uh, it's just been a delight. I love that. And it goes to show no matter where you're at in your career path or wherever you're at kind of in life, you can try new things. You can, you, you can. can't do that. And you might find that you're better at it. You know, like I think it's, I'm confident that this book is the best thing I've ever written. And I would not have ever guessed that if I hadn't just tried it. But that's, that's how I am with everything. Like, you know, as a musician, I, it's impossible for me to go to a show and see a band that I like and not immediately go, I want to try doing that. So, you know, I've played, I've gigged with everybody from, you know, metalcore bands to musical theater. You know, I just, I love all of it. So I'm, trying to kind of take that approach to writing as well i love that dip your toe into everything and just see, yeah yeah see what hits oh, yeah exactly and you know a little bit with dark hearts is that idea you know of second chances of getting to go back to something what do you think you know i say as a former emo but i'm still an emo kid <laughs> yeah exactly you it, never leave it you're never, never leaves you're never you. it was not a phase mom first and foremost. Yeah. <laughs> but like you know what is it about teenage angst and returning to that teenage angst, what do you think draws us to those stories? I mean, I think we never really, we might get over it, but we never leave it behind. And so I think it's a chance to engage with those big feelings. Um, you know, and I think there's something that's really beautiful about young adults because it makes all the big feelings and big emotions believable. You know, it's the same sort of thing where you could write the same story and if all the characters were 40, you might be like, come on, get over it. You know, like, don't, why are you making such a big deal out of everything? But we all inherently remember that when you're 17 and it's all happening for the first time, it is legitimately a big deal. Um, and there's stuff in here that I've been wrestling with for, you know, ever since I was a teenager. You know, the big thing for me is David's got this feeling throughout the book that, you know, he's 17, but he feels like he's already missed his shot. And that's very much a thing that I had, you know, playing in bands growing up, like, we did all right for ourselves. Like, you know, we played a lot of shows, got on the radio a couple of times, but I can still remember being 18 and looking at bands younger than me starting to get signed or get big and feeling like, well, I like I'm washed up. I'm a has been like, you know, at 18. <laughs> and I think a lot of kids are carrying that around, whether it's music or 
sports or theater, whatever it is that they thought they were going to hit it big right out of the gate. When they don't, they're left with all these questions about like, okay, well, who am I if I'm not the person who does X, right? Uh, you know, like if you're if you're a big high school athlete and then you don't go on to play college sports, you have to reinvent yourself, you know? And so I think that the book is a lot about that. And that really tied in, I mean, A, that's something that I had wrestled with, but B, it tied into the whole question of what do you do when you think you understand your identity sexually as well, where, you know, David's always assumed he's straight. I had always assumed I was straight. And then at some point, something comes in that sort of knocks that perception aside. And you have to kind of rebuild your personality from the ground up and say, okay, well, how does this affect who I am? And so that those questions of identity, I think, can follow us all for a long time. And I only recently, I mean, not the weird thing for me is that I feel like while I was very quickly okay with being queer, the idea of calling myself queer and claiming that identity took me a long time to get used to because, you know, as, like I said, as a former punk, like there's so many purity tests and, you know, punk and metal and all those things. And so it was the same kind of thing with sexuality where it was like, well, clearly I like guys, so I'm, I must be queer, but am I queer enough to claim the label, right? Like so many people yeah. have had to like fight and suffer for this. You know, is this stolen valor? Is this just like trying on an identity that doesn't belong to me? And it took me a long time to understand that A, there's not a bar you have to pass, right? To be like, <laughs> you just are what you are and that that's actually really important. And so uh, I wanted to have David wrestle with that too. Love that it's very similar that's what really spoke to me with the book um you know when I was a teenager very similar you say the kind of feeling like if you hadn't achieved xyz by this age it was too late I had yeah. a lot of that and also you know as a bisexual woman I didn't really consider that that was not that wasn't even like in the realms of possibility in kind of my hometown and in my family right and it was actually music that I remember a lot of the kind of punk emo young guys Pete Wentz for instance I think was quite open about kind of his kind of sexuality and how he would play with it and I remember that being really eye-opening I do think that right. being kind of open doors in that way that it wasn't kind of just there were guys who were incredibly punk who just didn't care who were out there and I can remember seeing that as a teenager and be like oh oh it's okay to like be who you are yeah you just, yeah you know, a certain way you can still be a bisexual woman and date men Right. Okay. Yeah, it's well, that's pretty cool to me. Well, and so much of punk fashion also was sort of built around those breaking norms and, you know, playing with gender, playing with all these different things. So, yeah, I think it is all tied up together. Yeah, I love that. And this is very much as well a love story to Seattle. As you said, it's, you know, yes. where you live. It's very much a love story to music. Did you know that was going to be a big central theme as you were writing it? I, pretty much, yeah. Because, like I said, the the whole second chapter, which I wrote that first day when I, you know, leapt out of bed, that uh, that whole second chapter, half of it is just me talking about what it's like to be in an underage band in Seattle. You know, it was just it was just me having a conversation, and so I knew early on that it's like, oh, this is my chance to write about music, and I still I always want to write about music in my books because it's so fundamental to me. But this was a chance to just go for it. And so, uh, yeah, I knew, and it was fun to be able to, you know, think about, okay, which bands am I going to mention? You know, what, 
what venues am I going to name check? I mean, so much of it was just about writing my neighborhood. Like every every house that is referenced in there, you know, that all the characters live in, they're all houses that my friends live in or that I've lived in. You know, it was really a chance to steal from my own life and put it on the page in lots of ways. And so that was really fun. Oh my God. I love that, that idea of that, you know, one day you'll, someone will pick that up and they'll be like, wait a minute, I recognize that house or I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I've hung out there. That's but so cool. I love that. Yeah, I love, and I changed, you know, the names of some of the locations just a little bit, but to make it kind of more Easter eggy. But for instance, I did the book launch party literally across the street from one of the restaurants that's in the book, you know? And so it's just, it's fun to go that hyper local with something. Um, so I, I hope people that are from Seattle get that vibe as well. And also, you know, you have a lot of strings to your bag. So you obviously creatively, you know, musician, games designer, you've been writing horror, fantasy, and YA. I know it's impossible to pick a favorite, but do you think that different aspects of what you do calls different parts of your personality? Do you think it all kind of blends together? Do you have a favorite? I, I think, well, so if I have a favorite, um, honestly, my favorite is music. My favorite is playing, you know, heavy metal or rock and roll or something like that. That's more than anything where I can just sink into, like when you can really lock in with a band, uh, there's there's nothing better. Like that's, you know, I will I will trade just about anything else for an hour of a really good band practice, let alone a show. Um, but in the writing side, I love it all. And I think that, I really think that young adult romance is my favorite at the moment. Like I, I, when I read Dark Hearts, it's one of those few things that I can read of mine where I can crack myself up even after reading it you know, dozens of times, being able to read some of like the text exchanges they have yeah. where these guys are giving each other guff. Um, it's it's just funny. It's funny to me. I have no idea. I it, <laughs> I hear that it's funny to other people, but like ultimately when I wrote it, I wrote it just for myself. Just, and I thought that there was plenty of stuff that I thought, well, this is too dirty. This is too, you know, whatever. They're going to make me take it out. And then my editor was just like, nah, go for it. You know, give us more. And so- uh, it was really a chance to sort of just do exactly what I wanted artistically. Yeah. And that was really lovely. But I find that all my all my writing, all my music, it all comes from the same place, which is just, I like to entertain people. You know, I I like telling a story at a party. I like being on stage. I like playing music. You know, I just, entertaining is one of my favorite things. And so that's why I've never quite understood you know, I know some authors that all they care about is the writing and they sort of don't care if anybody reads it. Or like my wife loves to paint and is an amazing painter, but she, you know, she'll paint something and then just like stick it in a corner and never show anybody. And I'm like, how, like for her, it's just the act of creation that's amazing. And for me, the act of creation doesn't finish until somebody sees it or until somebody experiences it because it's about that dialogue with the audience. So... That's, I mean, uh, I'm, I guess, kind of an attention hound, but I hope that I do it well. I hope that I hope that I am entertaining and then know how to sit down when my turn is over. <laughs> At least you know it. That's the best yeah. thing. At least you're aware. Yeah, exactly. Be, be aware so that you know not to overdo it. Like, I never want to be, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I've had friends be like, why don't you play more music, like, at parties or whatever? And it's like, because I never want to be that guy 
who pulls out the guitar and everybody goes, oh my God, he's doing the thing again. You oh, know, it's like, I, <laughs> by request only, but like, I, you know, once somebody buys the book or, you know, comes to the show, then it's game on. Oh, so if I ever come to your signings, I'm like, could you get your guitar out and perform? I actually did at the last two signings I've done uh, oh. this. So the boys do, I mean, the boys are in a band in the book or have been in a yep. band. And so one of the things that happens is they write uh, a song together in the book. Um, and so I decided, you know, nobody else has ever heard this song, but I know how it goes. And so at the book launch, I decided I'll just do an acoustic version and perform it myself. So like I oh, just cool. did that for the audience and threw it up on my Instagram. But uh, oh, but yeah, all the all the little uh, songs that I mentioned in passing in there, I, I wrote all of them just so that I could know what you they would them. sound like. Yeah. yeah, so that I could hear them in my head. And uh, actually, one of my favorite parts of this whole process was the audiobook that Macmillan Audio did of Dark Hearts. Um, you know, every audiobook always sort of begins with some sort of intro music, some sort of jingle. Yeah. And I was always like, I wonder where that comes from. I wonder how you get that job. And so when uh, Macmillan bought the rights to do the book, I said, hey, can I can I apply to do the the audio music, you know, the music for the beginning of the audiobook? And they went, oh, yeah, sure. Like, go for it. So I got to write the little the little intro and outro music for the audiobook. So when you hear that, that's all me. Oh, that's so cool. That's a little a little Easter egg as well. I love that. That's so cool. Right. And it's like it was such a bucket list item for me because I love <laughs> audiobooks. And so I'd always just kind of fantasized about that. So finally getting to do it was You're kind on of your dream. own audiobook for your novel. That's, yeah. that's so yeah. cool and look i'm a big look i'm a big nerd i love fantasy uh yes same people. and i know the intensity of fandoms i because i'm part of it I'm part yeah of how has the reaction been to you doing something different because people know you for a certain thing they expect a certain thing what do you think the kind of the fan reaction the reading reaction has been i think it's been positive like uh you know i will say Whenever you switch genres or switch what you're doing, uh, I don't think most of your audience is going to come with you, especially for something like, you know, Pathfinder or, you know, game work that I've done. Yeah. You know, it's a, just a very different thing that that audience is looking for. So the odds, like the crossover between somebody who likes sword and sorcery fantasy and somebody who likes queer young adult contemporary romance, like those are about as far apart as you can get. But the people who do like it, you know, I've gotten a lot of great messages from fans who did hear about this because they followed my game work or what comics work or whatever. And now we're trying it out and going, oh, this is this is fun. I like this, you know, so I it has been uh, a huge boost in that regard. But still, I think you kind of start over again when you go to a new genre, I think. And I and I knew that when I when I signed up for it. Um, so anybody who crosses over is a pleasant surprise. But I've also been very pleasantly surprised by the amount of support I've gotten from new readers. You know, the the folks who had never heard of me before, especially the queer reader community. Um, you know, I feel like my Instagram the last couple of weeks since the book came out has just been blowing up constantly with people you know, excited about the book, reviewing the book, like really trying to promote it, especially as we're in the middle of pride here yeah. right now as we record this. Uh, so that's just been really lovely to have, to be able to launch straight from one community into a whole new other community and be accepted there. 
And you briefly dropped a little mention about what you're working on next. I know you probably yeah. can't this too much, but what is coming next from you? Well, so my my next thing, well, so uh, what's very much next is uh, right about now, um, the first issue of the new Starfinder comic book series is hitting comic shops. Um, and so that's, uh, I got to write that, which was super fun because that game was really kind of my baby. And so yeah. to be able to come back five years later and take those characters in that world and do a new mini series set there was really fun. So that's what's immediately next. But what the next big thing is hopefully next year, my new uh, young adult contemporary romance novel will be coming out. And it's again, a queer love story, uh, this time two girls set just outside of Seattle. And it's all about a teenage ghost hunter who finds an actual ghost. So oh, we'll okay, see, well, it's still, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm yeah, so <laughs> very <laughs> much uh, trying to get that Dark Hearts flavor again. Um, and we'll see. I mean, like I said, I'm in revisions right now, so we'll see if I pull it off. But so far, I think it—I think it's pretty good. Oh, that's exciting! Well, I'm sold. So you have me a ghost. Oh, thank you. Ghost, thank you so two much. girls. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it is a chance to get a little bit of that fantasy in there. You know, just moving. Like, we'll see if I can eventually combine my, all my loves into one project. But it's one super project. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Look, I. I have no idea what to expect from your novel even now because you're obviously someone who draws from lots of different areas. Um, so I feel like anything could happen here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the first question I always ask is where are we going to go for your novel evening? So I thought two different ways. I thought if we're going for somebody else's book, uh, and this might be a little bit wild, but uh, Redwall Abbey from the Brian Jack's Redwall <laughs> books. <laughs> Because the first person. Oh, really? No, well, one of my very, very early on, before I had any authors on, one of my dear friend's neighbors came on. Um, she had no business being here, really. She just did <laughs> me a favor. And she chose that. And she was telling me all about the food in there. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I thought. It's like, and the thing that I loved about it, um, you know, so even as a kid, I was a very picky eater and I was, and I'm still a vegetarian. And so it was one of those rare feast scenes in fantasy where everything sounded delicious and everything was vegetarian. So it all sort of appealed, uh, inherently, but then of course there's also just who doesn't want to hang out with a bunch of giant, you know, squirrels and mice and badgers. And like, it just seems like a very cuddly, cozy, good time. And also, you know, that they have a cookbook. You can buy the cookbook. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I sort of, in my heart of hearts, I don't know whether like, you know, dandelion cordial or whatever, all the stuff they're drinking. Like, I suspect a lot of it is not actually good, but it sounded so good. It sounds incredible. It truly does. And I'm going to, I'll be honest with you, when my friend joined me, she had, God bless her soul, had a small edible before she came on. <laughs> I think that probably amplified uh, yes, all she kept telling me was all the bread. There was yes, yes, it's it's all bread. bread and berries, right? It's one hundred percent pastry yeah. there. Probably but, great for the rodents. We might just be a bit like, okay, right, right. So, um, so that's where I would go if I were going for somebody else's thing. But if we were going for my book, it would be uh, one of the first chapters in Dark Hearts is set in this place called Orbital Pizza, which is a little punk rock dive pizza place. Uh, which in real life was a place called Stellar Pizza that was sort of my go-to hangout that sadly closed during the pandemic. Oh. And so 
I would be very tempted to go back there just to have one more chance uh, and maybe make them give me the recipes before they disappear. I thought um, you could start the night at the Abbey and then when everyone's partaken of their dandelion wine or elderberry wine, yeah. then you go for the pizza slice. Yeah, well, ex exactly. And then probably finish up at, uh, there's a place called Death Putt that they go in the books on one of the, on one of the um, dates that is, yeah, that is just like the most bonkers mini golf you've ever seen where it's all fire and explosions and blades. Uh, and that was also based on a real thing um, that was called Smash Putt, which was with this underground Seattle tradition for a few years there, um, which was sort of, it wasn't intended to be full contact mini golf, but there's definitely like, there's a great picture of my wife, you know, in a costume and a cowboy hat with a huge swollen lip from a golf ball that like clocked her in the face from across the room. So it's, it, it was based on a very wild thing, but it just seems like a fun way to spend the night, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm here. I'm here for this night. This is <laughs> perfect. Very different vibes from each venue, but yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I'm I'm definitely the sort of person that like if an event can be extra, like I'm going to do it like there's going to be, you know, 17 stages to every party and they're all going to have a theme like that's just my vibe. Yeah, no, I agree. OK, OK. So who's the first person who's going to arrive for your novel evening? So it's obviously going to be Chance from the book um, because I'm just I mean, A, I think we'd get along. You know, it's funny. I was just talking to some friends the other day, uh, including my wife, and I'd always written the book thinking that, well, I'm David, right? Like, you know, he, yeah. I'm because, you know, it so much of the book came out of my frustration as of, you know, missing my shot at being a rock star or whatever, or my own bisexual confusion, all those things, uh, all those things that I felt when I was 18. Uh, but then I was talking to my friends and they all said, what are you talking about? You were obviously chance, like all of his mannerisms, all of your, uh, you know, all of your personality is totally him. And I was like, oh, well, feels very arrogant to see myself yeah, as the love say. interest. Yeah, like, so so... You put all your qualities into the, the hot rock star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> apparently. So, you know, I was very flattered, but it was very much not intentional. Um, but yeah, I would love to have him there just because he seems like a really fun, nice guy. And also I'm fascinated by celebrity life, especially by people who get famous young. I just think knowing about, you know, hearing the stories of that side of life or something that I really enjoy. It's one of the things I love most about being an author is getting to hang out with other authors and musicians and whoever and just hear their stories. Yeah. Oh, he'd have stories as well. And he exactly. would be great. Okay. Obviously an excellent choice. It came out of your brain. So great. Yeah. Who is next? So sticking with my book for a few minutes, um, I'd also pick Ridley, the best friend character from the book, because she's so fun, so boisterous. You know, she's a writer, so we'd probably have that in common. Um, and she just, she's got such a quick wit and is so uh, un uninhibited in sort of her conversation and just her zest for life. So she's super fun. And then the last person from the book that I'd put in would be a very minor side character who shows up okay. in one of the cat chapters, but there's a chapter where they're backstage at a concert and they meet this guy named Jason, who's a random guitarist from a metal band called Godhead Immolator that I just invented. But he sort of represents the archetypal, you know, like hard touring band guy who hasn't made it big, but is really 
you know, he's still going for it, you know, has made it far enough. Um, but they're definitely still sleeping on floors and living in the van, you know, that kind of thing. And I just love hearing the stories from those sorts of people. Uh, and so I think he would be so much fun to sit in here and probably I'd really like his band too. Yeah. That's proper touring as well. That's exactly. That's the nuts touring that you hear horrendous horror stories or like the funniest stories well, you'll ever hear from. Well, that's right. There's actually a friend of mine runs a podcast that I even name check in the book called Tomorrow We Die. And yes. it's all, yeah. And it's all just interviews with local hardcore bands about their most absurd touring stories. And it's all that sort of thing. Like, and then we were in Wisconsin and it got so cold that all the handles broke off the van while it was still running or, you know, it's like it's that yeah, kind of crazy. thing. Yeah. that I just love. So so those are the people okay. I would pick from my book. Okay, good choices. I Yeah, I approve. And I like big parties, so I'm just going to keep going. Um, <laughs> so next, uh, there is a series, uh, I guess it would now be classified as middle grade. I don't know what it was classified like when we were kids, but it's the Enchanted Forest Chronicles by Patricia C. Reed. And there is a dragon in it named Kazool, and a witch named Morwen. And in fact, all the characters from that series, it's just so, it's it's fantasy, but it's gentle and friendly and everybody's basically a good person. And I don't know, there's just a specific warmth, almost like the Redwall books, but a little bit older. And I just love that because I feel like so much of fantasy is kind of violent and grim and Lord knows I've done my share of that. But there's something really beautiful to creating a compelling fantasy setting where everybody's just good people you would want to hang out with. So I would I would love to meet, you know, a dragon that just wants to party and talk. You know, that seems great. That sounds wonderful. I, mean, I don't know how he's going to fit in the golf place, but... Semantics. You know, they, they'll figure it out. Like, they've, they've <laughs> accommodated worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> problem. And I think I would also probably, uh, toward the same end, go fantasy and pick uh, all the characters from Rainbow Rowell's Simon Snow books. Okay. So I don't know if you've read Carry On or any of those. I Great. but I know they are huge. That is a Yeah, big exactly. They're, they're, oh. uh, they're like, <laughs> uh, I mean, they're basically Harry Potter without the problems, right? Like, they're, it's, uh, you know, it's queer romance. It's lovely. Um, and so, yeah, all those characters I would invite um similarly right. alex and henry from red white and royal blue yeah um you know that was the book that probably more than any other made me want to write uh you know gay young adult romance because it was just so funny like i was listening to the the audiobook version and just laughing you know out loud by myself as i'm like you know grouting the shower or something um and actually i was very fortunate like i loved that narrator so much that when i got my audiobook made i was saying like can we find somebody you know who has kind of that same vibe and then they said oh do you do you want us to just ask him i was like oh uh yes is that an option so uh the same narrator like the weirdest like fever dream for you as well because you get to like do the music then they're like oh yeah we'll just get you that guy to do it and you're like what it's it's shocking you know my my agent had told me at one point early on because i'm so used to working you know doing work for hire and working for companies that are ips where there's a bunch of stakeholders um and so i'm used to kind of always following instructions and then my agent was saying just ask if you have an idea of what you want just ask like see what they say and so often yeah so often in this process i've just like asked hey what if we did this and people go yeah cool sounds good 
And so it's just, it's been a lovely experience. Um, okay. This is a pretty big party already. I'm impressed. It's a pretty big party. It's a pretty big party. And I'll, I'll say the last people I'll invite will be all of the aliens from all of Becky Chambers Wayfarer books, which again is just cozy science fiction. Yeah. Everybody's so friendly, so nice, and just wants to get along and understand each other. And if I'm going to meet an alien, I want it to be a Becky Chambers alien because it's yes. going to, you know, it's going to ultimately uh, work out well and be a fun, funny experience. So that's my giant rousing party. It's a big party. And don't forget, we've got the Red Wall Abbey. I'm sure all the mice and all the other critters yeah, will a, come along as well. It's a whole abbey. Like they've got space. I don't know how the pizza place is going to cope, but again. <laughs> They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. It, oh, do you know what? It, I love the fact as well, a lot of what you've mentioned is like coziness. Things are making yeah. you cozy. And that's the thing with a good night. If you're comfortable with people, you have the best night. And I mean, that's what I've arranged my, like personally, my entire personal life around. So I'm big into intentional community and like communal living, like, uh, my wife and I actually live with our, you know, our best friends, another couple. Um, and both of us have like, this is the smallest house I've lived in since college. Like for years I had like seven, 10 roommates. You know, I always love living that way. And my wife was the same way. So when we got married, we just, you know, combined our forces and combined roommates. And that's always oh, cool. how it's been. And so, yeah. And so now that we're a little bit older, uh, I've got probably, 40 friends that all live within walking distance because we intentionally all tried to get houses near each other. And just that feeling of casual parties all the time is that's what I live for. Yeah. That is so cool. I'm so jealous. That's so cool. I know. Right. Well, and it took, you know, it was definitely took some doing, you know, for a long time, we were actually trying to like buy land and build like a little co-housing community where we could all literally live together. Um, and it turns out, Seattle is not the best place to buy property right now. Like it's a little, a little on the pricey side, but we, we still all managed to like end up uh, in, you know, in pretty close proximity. And I think it's just a good way to live. Like find your family, build your family. Uh, that's kind of my, my motto. And look, you're obviously someone again, like you say, it's all about being comfortable. It's all about being in a safe space. Is there anybody from books or otherwise that you would not want arriving at your party so i was thinking about this and you know from my book the main character that i would not want is benjamin who's the manager of uh of chance of dark hearts yep. um and you know even that one i was a little bit tempted because i just feel like somebody who's been a band manager of you know pop acts for so long would just have a lot of really interesting stories but yeah. the fact that he's uh he's scuzzy enough to try and get chance to hide his sexuality yeah. for sort of for profit uh really i just can't extend an invitation he needs to go sit outside the abbey and watch us having fun and like yeah. think about what he's done and have a change <laughs> of heart say, think about what he's done go. yeah so <laughs> either him or going for somebody else's books um i love dan simmons hyperion series that was yes. a big formative series for me growing up and so uh, I would say the Shrike from that, which is a giant creature made all of blades uh, that exists basically to murder people and put them on their tree of pain. So like, uh, that oh, seems know. like maybe, yeah, maybe not the vibe we're going for right. here. Like the, the tree of pain, not so much with Redwall Abbey. 
No, and also this is a close proximity party. If someone's covered in blades. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Although you know, if if he wants to be on good behavior, like you could just you know stick all the hors d'oeuvres just like on all of the little like spikes. All the cheese and you know? pineapple. Yeah, yeah. Just ha- just have him walk around as like a, a walking hors d'oeuvre display. Like I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Okay. Look, I I really approve of this evening. I think <laughs> so much fun. I love that it calls out to all the different books that you love, places that you love. It's definitely got those cozy vibes. Nothing is better than like an end of night pizza, especially if it's yes. a greasy slice. I'm there. Yes. And you know, you guys do, I'll admit, you do pizza well. So <laughs> yes. <know> your stuff. <laughs> one of the things the States has gotten right. Britain is not doing so hot either. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> we're, we're not doing so great. But yeah, I love it. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your day, I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment. Yeah, so uh, I'm in the middle of revision, so I haven't been reading as much as I want, but the I'm reading a new, uh, an advanced copy of a Robert Jackson Bennett book, who's one of my favorite fantasy authors called The Tainted Cup. And so I think that comes out like next year. So I I was very lucky to get an advanced copy, but in terms of things that people are reading or that people could get right now that I just read, um, a book called Some Girls Do by Jennifer Dugan is a really fun sapphic romance. Um, really, uh, it's about, um, I guess, a, a track star and a beauty queen uh, oh. in high school who, you know, secretly fall for each other. Um so that was lovely. And then I also just read Ed Young's An Immense World, which is a nonfiction about animal senses. And every, it feels like every paragraph is some new fact that blows your mind. Like, oh, did you know that like whale song is low enough that it's actually audible on the other side of the ocean? You know, so that for all we know, <laughs> whales are in- You have to shut it and think about it for a minute because your brain- Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was uh, I was using that as a book to fall asleep every night. And every night it was just kind of marveling at the the all the bizarre things that evolution has come up with. So that's one of my favorite things. Well, look, thank you so, so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've had so much fun. Dark Hearts is going to, well, it's going to do amazing. I love it. Thank you, thank enough. you. Bring out the next book. I hope the revisions all go well. I'm crossing <laughs> fingers because I want it now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no pressure. I really <laughs> appreciate you it. Again.